for the scriptures tonight. And uh, we look forward to studying again together tonight. It is exciting to look and to see the buckets uh, full. And obviously the excitement is to think of when it is handed uh, to individuals there in Haiti and, and the relief, hopefully and prayerfully, that that does uh, bring to them. And as I has already said, keep in mind that uh, there is still plenty of room for more. And so if you've not yet brought yours in, please plan to do that. And let's make sure that just as we have sung just a moment ago to ring out the message, what a wonderful way to help uh, those that are a part of the Lord's church there to just ring that message out in their community even with, with greater, greater uh, emphasis and strength in their message to be able to say, uh, there's uh, people all over the world that, that are part of this church and, and they love you dearly and they're praying for you. And so uh, let's be praying about the effort. Let's be praying about the good that can be done. Do keep in mind a couple of things that's already been mentioned. It is exciting to think about being able to reach out into our community. And gratitude is always in season. And to be able to say to our public servants this week, we want to thank you. Uh, we simply want to honor you with this meal, and we want to thank you. And uh, that's appropriate, and that's good. And for all of you that are able to help with that, uh, we appreciate you representing us as a congregation. And, and as already mentioned, CJP, if you want to be involved in that, and we look forward uh, to being able to say thank you to the public servants this week in that way. Also, to think about outreach reorganization. This coming Sunday, it's a lunch, potluck style right after the second service, for all that have been involved in it for the past six months, for all that want to be involved for the next six months, for those that simply want to come and to learn more. You're invited, you're encouraged to come. Just a quick description. It's a six-month commitment to say that I'll go to a, a meal of five to six either individuals or families, and you get to know those five or six so much better. And it's once a month for six months. And at that gathering, cards are passed out, usually two or three per individual, and they send out notes, either phone calls if you'd like, or even visits if you would like, whatever you're most comfortable with, uh, just to show the love from the Mount Juliet Church of Christ to this individual. It may be someone that's sick, it may be someone shut in, it may even be a visitor that came, and to simply acknowledge that individual and our love and our concern for them. It's a wonderful way to get to know others. It's also a wonderful way to serve others as we reach out in that particular program. That program's been a great success for many years here, and there are many of you that you have friends here because you met in that program. And so if that's something that would be a benefit to you, we understand everybody can't do everything, but if that's something that would be a benefit to you, take advantage of learning about that this coming Sunday morning. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Satisfaction, fulfillment. To be able to come at a close of a day and say, I'm satisfied with who I am today. I find fulfillment in what I've done today. There's some of you that have a great fulfillment in the fact that you decided to forego the nap this afternoon. Instead, you went out and, and you shopped this afternoon. You took money that you could have used to eat out this week. You could have used to help pay on a bill this week. But you decided to sacrifice that time and that money. And I want to tell you something. You're feeling something right now, a fulfillment and satisfaction that I'm not feeling. Isn't that interesting how that works? 
when we choose to do the right thing, there's something real about that. There is a fulfillment about that. And it's not some kind of imagination. It might be, it could be. And it's not simply a feeling. It is a fact. There is fulfillment. Fact. There is fulfillment in doing the right thing. Is it possible to do that every day? According to God it is. Where we literally seek every day to have an appetite, a desire to say, God, I want your will to be done. And in that, we find fulfillment. Tonight, I would like for us to look at three things, and I beg you not to bring these three things down in the application in your life to only these three things. We're looking at three things that the world oftentimes seeks satisfaction. They seek fulfillment in these areas, but yet it's never found. And if, if these particular three things don't apply to your life... Think about them in the broader sense of principles. What other things tie into this? And then ultimately when the lesson's done, we want to say, what else is it that maybe I try to accomplish each day and thinking that if I do that, I'm going to find fulfillment. And the truth is, the only fulfillment and satisfaction that you and I will ever find that's real, it's genuine, and it's lasting is found only in God. But wow, like we talked about this morning, that buffet in life, Satan has a way of pulling us over to the wrong side and making us believe. You can find it here. So let's look at these three and then the lesson yours. Look with me in Proverbs, the 23rd chapter. He gave a warning to his son, Solomon writing to his son, and he mentions a little bit of this warning all the way back in verse 19 when he says, Hear, my son, this is Proverbs 23 and 19, Hear, my son, and be wise, and guide your heart in the way. See, there, there, there's a direction here you're going to travel. There's a conduct. Guide your, way, your life in that right way. Here's what you don't want to do. Do not mix with the wine bibbers or with the gluttonous eaters of meat. So those that, that are going to involve their life in, in gluttony, those that are going to involve their life in substances that would alter their sobriety, he says, don't go that way. Don't go into that conduct. Why? Well, he gives a long list of reasons why, beginning in verse 29. He begins with questions. Who has woe, sorrow, contentions, complaints? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? If we stopped right there, we'd say, I don't know exactly who that is, but whoever it is, I don't want to be that person. Isn't that interesting how... Alcohol consumption is so popular in America today, but yet God describes it in this way. You see, like we were talking this morning, isn't it interesting how our appetites can change? Who has an appetite that, hey, this is the buffet, I want to go down. I love the liquor, I love the alcohol. And the Lord's saying, you love the contention it brings, you love the woe it brings, you love... Well, if it brings so much good... Why does it not bring a life that is fulfilling? Friends, how many people have you seen grow to the end of their life and, and as they, they only have a, a few days or a few weeks to live, they call their family, they call their grandkids to their side and they say, I want to tell you something, son. The best decision I ever made was to get drunk on a regular basis. Why? If it offers so much, 
If it gives you the way to live, if it is what you live for in the week to get to the weekend, if that is the fulfillment, in your mind's eye, walk around the clubs and hear them chanting or hear them excited about Friday's come and this is what we live for. Okay, if it's so filling, why aren't they talking about it in their 70s and 80s that it was the best decision they made? If it was so fulfilling, why aren't they begging their grandchildren to follow in their paths? If it really satisfies, why does it not do that over a lifetime? Well, he goes ahead here and he talks about not looking into that wine and and he describes it in 32 like a serpent or a viper. You know, the viper is the poisonous serpent that stings us. And then he says some dangers that's going to happen in 33. Your eyes will see strange things. See the disillusionment of, of, of literally impairing our vision. Your heart will utter perverse things. A lot of people will say things while they're drunk that they would never say when they were sober. Yes, you will be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea or like the one who lies at the top of the mast. Now, you can imagine someone there at the top of a mass of a, of a sailboat. And you can imagine what he's describing here is seasickness. He's describing individuals that are so drunk they can't stand up or, or they're, they're vomiting over and over. And he says, but the problem is they're not on a boat. They're not on that. They're on alcohol. That's what they're on. And so he, he's describing how pitiful this is. And, and look in 35 when he says, they struck me, but I was not hurt. They've beaten me, but I did not feel it. Now, notice he's not saying there's no injuries. He's saying, this is how out of it I am. Why? Because of the substance. Why? Oh, because I wanted to find fulfillment in life. If it is so fulfilling, why does it close in this way? When shall I awake that I may seek another drink? Addiction. To go through all of that and finally to wake up sober. Wake up with the bruises. Wake up with the vomit. Wake up with the redness of eyes. Wake up with the splitting headache. Wake up at people laughing at us from what we said and what we did that now we're embarrassed. And you know what the addict says? I've got to have another drink. Why? Friends, I'm not making fun of individuals that suffer with this at all. It breaks my heart. I'm simply trying to allow us through scriptures to be honest tonight. What satisfies? If that is so satisfying, why do we have to go back into its misery time after time after time? Blessed. Not drunk. Not beaten. Not sick. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Not after alcohol after righteousness, they shall be filled. Let's look at a second. Let's drop back. Still here in Proverbs. Let's go back to the seventh chapter. There's many passages in Proverbs that we could read about this. But let's just choose the seventh chapter tonight. And let's think of another of the smorgasbord here of the world where, where Satan would say, hey, you can find fulfillment here. But yet God would say, oh, no, that's not fulfillment that you're finding there. We have a young man in Proverbs, the seventh chapter in verse 7. Proverbs, the seventh chapter in verse 7. About 564 on the Bible that's in your pew. And... This poor young man in verse 7, he says, I saw among the simple, I perceived among the youths, a young man 
devoid of understanding, passing the street near her corner, he took the path to her house. Again, remember when he was talking to his son about about alcohol? He talked about don't be guided in that way. Don't take that path. Now he's going to talk to his son about immorality. And so since he's writing to his son here, he's going to warn him about the immoral woman. Now the same could be true about warning a young daughter about an immoral man. But since he's writing to his son here, he's saying, listen, there is a path that individuals travel. Back to appetite, what's your desire? It will lead you to that smorgasbord. And when you get to that smorgasbord, it's not going to be a good ending there. Well, what would lead an individual to that way? We see down in verse 10 that he was lured in part by this woman that she was in a certain attire. And there was a woman that met him with the attire of a harlot and crafty heart. And someone quickly says, well, this man was lured in by a harlot. No, he wasn't. It's a good lesson for ladies to learn. This woman, if you read on, has a husband that's just not at home right now. She wasn't a harlot. She was simply dressed immodestly. Because that's how harlots dress, is immodestly. You see, her mindset that day was, I'm going to begin a man on a path to my bed. And the first place I'm going to start is by dressing immodestly. Now, I'm going to have to do some other things this woman is thinking, but that's the beginning of my path. I'm going to draw him first with his vision, because keep in mind there's only five ways to reach a man or a woman's heart. That's through their senses. She touches all five of this man's senses before she leads him into the path of destruction. And so the first sense that she reaches out to in verse 10 is sight. And then in verse 13, she catches him and kisses him. So we have touch and taste right there. And then we go down to verse 17. She tells him, I perfume my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. And so now we have smell mixed in here. And then notice the hearing in 21 with her enticing speech. She caused him to yield with her flattering lips. She seduced him. And what did he become? All of a sudden now, he has fallen prey. He has started down this path. And now his appetite is building for hunger and thirst and righteousness. No, now he's yielded that. Now it's hunger and thirst for sexual immorality. And as he travels this direction, how does God describe it here? In 22, it's like an ox that goes to a slaughter. Ox has no idea what it's going to. I've loaded up many animals on the way to slaughter. Sometimes when you have a hard time getting them into the trailer, you just hold a little sweet feed in front of them. And you just shake the sweet feed and you get them eating. What was the harlot doing? Uh, She wasn't a harlot. It was the woman that was playing the role of a harlot. She was just holding something out in front of him, enticing him down that path to lead him so that his heart's desire would change. He says it's like an ox going to the slaughter. Or it's like the fool that's going to the correction of the stocks. And the end is going to be 23 till an arrow struck his liver as a bird hastens to the snare. Here it is. He did not know it would cost his life. 24. Now therefore listen to me, my children. Pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart 
Why? Because that's where your desire is. What are we supposed to desire? Righteousness. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. For she has cast down many wounded, and all who were slain by her were strong men. Her house is the way to hell, descending to the chambers of death. Friends, notice here tonight, there is an appetite that takes us in a direction. This young man... He had a stop sign. He had a warning signal simply by the way the woman was dressed. He should have never passed into her path at that point. Everything she did was a warning signal. I want to beg all of us, married or single, I want all of us to think about whether it's in physical relationship or if it's in the heart as it pertains to the temptation of lust through immodesty and pornography and whatever it may be. Do we realize that these things don't just happen? These are pathways that individuals step into and they ignore warning signs and they ignore stop signs and they just continue with that heart's desire that now is is perverted to just yield its way right into that smorgasbord that Satan has prepared. And individuals think, it's going to bring me what I'm looking for. This new man, this new woman that is a fantasy in my mind because I've caught up with my old flame on Facebook, he or she's going to be everything I've ever wanted. I'm going, to, I'm going to start down that path and I'm going to ignore those warning signals and I'm going to start back into intimate relationships and, and conversations. I'm going to ignore those warning signals. Brethren, I beg you to listen to God. You will not find fulfillment down that path. You will not. The only place we will find fulfillment, and you can talk about about substances, you can talk about relationships. In just a moment, we're going to talk about possessions. And you can go as broad or as narrow with principles and details as you want. The only place we will find fulfillment is in righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. They shall be fulfilled. We do not find it in a perversion of righteousness in another relationship. And the final point this evening, turn with me, if you will, just a few pages over. We're staying with Solomon tonight, and we're looking at Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes, the fifth chapter. This will be on 590 in the Bible that's in your pew. Ecclesiastes, the fifth chapter. I tell you what will make me happy. Silver. I love silver. Someone else says, no, I tell you what will make me happy. I'm an investor. I just want increase, abundance. Here's the way the Lord says it through Solomon. We're in Ecclesiastes 5 and 10. This is what's going to satisfy someone actually believes. He who loves silver, Ecclesiastes 5 and 10, he who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. This also is vanity. Now, friends, if you weren't hearing this in the Bible, you would probably think, I must be misunderstanding this person. They make no sense. What they're saying is contradictory. 
Because, in other words, imagine you have a few people sitting here. And this person right here, you say, hey, what makes you happy? What do you love? And this person says, I love silver. I love money. I love, in, I, I love to have silver. And, and over here is another person. Hey, what do you want? Well, I, I, I have property or I have possessions. You name it. And all I want is increase. If, if I have 50 acres today, I want to make sure by, by the, the end of this quarter, I have 75 acres. And by the end of that quarter, I want to make sure I have 100 acres. You name whatever it is. I just want increase. Okay, so we'll have a group and we say, everyone, what will make this person fulfilled in life? And if you weren't sitting in a Bible setting, almost everybody would say, they're going to have to have more silver. Okay, give them more silver. And what are they going to want? Uh, Could I have some more silver, please? I thought you were going to be satisfied. No, I only am satisfied when it's more silver. This person where all they want in life is abundance. Okay, give them some abundance. Excuse me, could I please have more abundance? I thought you wanted abundance. We just gave you. No, I want more abundance. Okay, here's some more. Hey, excuse me, could I have more abundance? Do you realize that, that even though it sounds kind of silly, do you realize how many of your neighbors, and maybe if some of us were honest with ourselves, do you realize how many are playing that game except it's not a game, it's a miserable way to live. And it totally takes our focus of what is the righteous way to live. God's not opposed to possessions. Uh, By any means, He's the one that gives us our possessions if they're good gifts. Some of the individuals in the Bible that were the most righteous individuals in the Bible were very wealthy. God is opposed to individuals who trust and seek to find their satisfaction and fulfillment in possessions. I'd like for you to turn over to Luke, the 12th chapter. I'd like to read this passage and then read one more passage in closing. Luke 12 and verse 15. This is in a paragraph that is a powerful passage about increase and about how a man just continued to increase and, and to build his barns, and then finally his soul was held accountable before God, and it wasn't a good ending. In other words, he did not find the satisfaction in the purpose of his life that he thought he was going to find, even though financially he did what he wanted to do, make more and more and more and build bigger barns and bigger barns and bigger barns. Well, why weren't you satisfied for an eternity? He had that rude awakening. I chose the wrong thing to satisfy me. But it's in this passage that if we could pick out one verse, look at Luke 12 and 15. Jesus is speaking here as it says, He said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. One's life, it doesn't consist of things. What if someone said, I want you to spend 10 or 15 minutes telling us about you. How long would it be into that 10 or 15 minutes before we start talking about our things? Well, I live in a house on Sunset Drive. That's not you. Who are you? Really, what, what's going to be fulfilling throughout a lifetime and eternity in your life. 
Now, we're going to give an account for how we used everything that God gave us. But do you realize when we stand before God, other than the fact of us giving an account for how we use things, do you realize when we stand before God, there will not be any difference in God's eyes between you and someone in Haiti that the other day lost every possession they owned. There won't be any difference. Do we think some reason we're going to have a leg up because we're upper middle class? Are we going to have a leg up because we've done better than that? I found a real purpose in life because my business is thriving? Well, it's not that I've made so much. I've just invested well and I'm going to retire well and I've really found my niche in life. Do you realize that is not you? And if you think that's you, you're trusting in something that cannot satisfy. If God has blessed you with a prosperous business, thank Him and use it to His glory. If He's blessed you with an ability to make good money, Thank Him and use it to His glory. But all of us, no matter if we're talking about abilities, if we're talking about possessions, let's use everything that we have to God's glory and make sure that we realize that the only thing that is fulfilling in life, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. They shall be filled. I'd like to close this lesson by reading one verse out of Proverbs, the 11th chapter, and verse 28. I don't think we could pick a more appropriate verse to close this lesson out of today's topic all the way around. Proverbs eleven twenty-eight. Proverbs eleven twenty-eight. He who trusts in his riches, will fall. Now, do you think God's saying everybody that trusts in their riches will die broke? I don't think that's the falling He's talking about. I think the fall He's talking about is in fulfillment, in finding a life that matters, finding purpose, to be able to call your grandkids if God gives you the opportunity around your bed in your dying days and say, kids, I'm thankful for the life I've lived. Not have to apologize for it. I'm thankful for the life I've lived. I've loved God with all my heart. I want to encourage you to walk in the same paths that I've lived. People that trust in riches can't have that kind of fulfillment in life or in death. But notice the rest of this. But the righteous. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. The righteous will flourish like foliage. We've all seen in the springtime how quickly leaves can come upon the trees. You, you look around one day and you see just a hint of green on these brown trees and then it just seems like you turn around twice and they're all green and look at the spring foliage and isn't it beautiful when it comes out and, and doesn't just give you a good feeling. Everything's coming to life again. It's springtime. It's warm outside again. We love it when the foliage comes out. Isn't that such an appropriate analogy? People of righteousness... They get to experience life as if it's always foliage. Why? Because their life is invested in what it really matters. This evening, 
I know there's a good chance that the three major areas we study tonight, it may not be a big hang-up for any of us, or all, for, for you. But I do ask you to take and carefully consider your life. and Make sure that we can say with all of our heart, I'm hungry to do what is right. I'm thirsty. I want God's righteousness in my life. And when that's done... We can pull our head tonight. We can stare death in the face. And we can look into eternity and know that our life mattered. And we lived it well because we fulfilled God's righteousness in our life. What a wonderful day we've had. You know, I really meant to say to you one of the first things when I got up this evening I love Sunday nights good crowd, encouraging each other, good singing. Could there be a better way to close this evening if somebody says, I need prayer. I just want to get that righteousness compass set right tonight. And I want to make sure that I leave here headed in the right direction. If we could be an encouragement to you in any way, if, if we could help you respond by by being baptized into Christ, however we could assist you. We'd love to help you. Please come as we stand, as we sing.